Thank you, Paul, for that ministry of music. Have you ever bemoaned or have become frustrated over your personal weaknesses? Wondered why God made you the way that he has? Perhaps you have thought that you could be much more useful for the kingdom's sake if he would have given you greater abilities or talents or gifts or skills. Today, the focus of the text is on the purpose of God in making us weak. The statement that has been surrounding the messages so far in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians is, who is sufficient for these things? Who is adequate for these things? Who is up to the task? And we're to see that no one is up to the task apart from the work of God in their lives, that no one is sufficient for these things. So now the question arises as to why. Why would God make us weak? Why would God make us inadequate? Why would God make us as we are? Why not greater strength, talents, abilities, etc.? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not ourselves. Paul's weaknesses serve the gospel of Christ. And likewise, our weaknesses serve the gospel of Christ. Paul's weakness put God's power on display. Paul's weaknesses put God's power on display. In verse 6, where we left off last week, it says, For God who called light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So this light has been given to us and it has been given to us to show forth the Lord Jesus Christ, to make him known. So today the question is, how do, does Paul's weakness serve to make Christ known better? How does that happen? The treasure that is referred to in verse 7 is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Verse 6. In the process of, reveal, of revealing Christ, it is not just Paul's words that are in view, but his entire life is devoted to revealing Christ. His words are very important. Second Corinthians 4.13 But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I speak. So, the next time I preach out of Second Corinthians, the issue is going to be believing therefore speaking. But before Paul gets to his words, he talks about his life. He talks about his manners, his behaviors, his lifestyle. God in the person of Lord Jesus Christ is revealed through Paul's life. And in particular, because he is this clay 
vessel, this pottery, if you will. The message is embodied in an earthen vessel or a body of clay. Paul's body is a very important element in revealing the glory of Christ. In 4 verse 4, the glory of Christ is seen to be the content of the gospel. 4.4 In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So this light is the gospel. But it's the gospel in the fullest sense of the word. It's about, yes, how people are to be saved and how they are to relate to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the light. That's the treasure. He has that inside. And now it's to show and shine forth. And for it to shine forth, he says, I've been given this earthen vessel, this, this clay pot, if you will. And as we think about the clay pot, some commentators uh, focus upon its common nature. A clay pot was about the cheapest kind of pot you could own. Well, we are cheap, if you will. We are, we are of less value than the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sure. But the other aspect of a clay pot was it was a, extremely fragile, easily broken. Okay, a clay pot, you drop it, it just shatters into a million pieces. It's frail. And I agree with the commentators that see within this passage a depiction of the frailty of the pot. It is a frail pot. So if you look at verse 7, it says, We have this treasure in earthly vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not ourselves. He made us weak so that it would be obvious that the power is coming from God and not ourselves. From this, we learn some important things, just as introduction. First, God knows our weaknesses. That's comforting. God knows our weaknesses. But more than that, God intends our weaknesses. God made us weak. It's one thing for God to have been passive and just say, oh yeah, I know he's weak. It's quite another for God to say, I know he's weak, and I made him that way. So, God intends our weaknesses. Therefore, we shouldn't pray for them to be removed. They are his will. He wants us to be weak. Next, God uses our weaknesses. Our weaknesses serve a purpose. There is a reason that God made us weak. Next, God overcomes our weaknesses, which is the main point of verse 7. The surpassing greatness of His power may be of God and not from ourselves. But, even that is not an end of itself. Our weaknesses reveal the power of God. It isn't just so that we would have a sense of dependency upon God. It's not just about ourselves, that he made us weak, and now he's going to make us strong. But he made us weak so that it would reveal something about himself. And that's what we want to focus upon this morning. So, how do our weaknesses reveal the power of God? That's 
the question. That's the theme for this morning's message. How do our weaknesses reveal the power of God? God's power is revealed as he overcomes our weaknesses. Paul depicts four weaknesses that he has experienced and how God's power is displayed in overcoming them. First, first weakness. Verse 8, for we are afflicted in every way. And then, they're surpassing greatness, but not crushed. So, I am weak. I'm afflicted in every way, but I'm not crushed. Now, the word that's used for afflicted here has at its root the idea of being placed under extreme pressure. To be pressed hard upon. Synonym would be to be squeezed. To be squeezed. Paul feels squeezed. But, he says, not crushed. He's squeezed, but not crushed. And it reveals the power of God. I have two cans of Coke. Diet, for those of you who are literalists. Okay, I have two cans of Diet Coke, of which there is absolutely no difference in the can. Can's not constructed differently. One can is not thicker than another can. One can is not stronger than another can. This can is being pressed. Now, you can't tell it, and... I'm not particularly strong, I must admit. But I'm actually squeezing this with all my strength. And guess what's happening? Nothing. I really am. I'm squeezing that with all my strength. Absolutely nothing happened. Can number two. It's crushed. You know the difference? This is filled. This is empty. The can's the same. But what's inside is incredibly different. Paul says, I'm a weak can. But what's inside, this treasure, is incredibly different. He said, I'm squeezed. But I'm not crushed. But it's not because of the can. Because of what's inside. That is demonstrating the surpassing power of God. It's able to overcome the weakness of the can. A weakness that we all share in common. But a unique strength that God gives by filling us with His Spirit. The second weakness depicted is in verse 8 where He says, We are perplexed. Perplexed. And then the surpassing greatness, but not despairing. Perplexed is to be filled with doubts. But he was not at wit's end. Paul got to the place where in verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, 2 Corinthians 1.8 For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. He said we were so burdened 
beyond our strength, beyond what we were able to bear, beyond our capacity. He says that we were so laden down. Okay, Bert, you can, you can picture this heavy weight. More than what he is able to bear. He drops to his knees under this heavy weight. He feels like he can't go on. And he says, I despaired even of life. I didn't think that I was going to be able to take one more step. I, I thought I was going to die. And now, he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we are perplexed, but not despairing. Interestingly enough, it's the same word. But what Paul felt in his human weakness, that he couldn't go on, God wonderfully ministered to the life of Paul and gave him the ability to go on when he didn't think he could. Paul did not quit. Rather, Paul continued on. But not only did Paul not quit and continue on, he continued on in the ministry. One wonders how the Apostle Paul could have gone on in all that he experienced. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Are they thy servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. You ask the question, or at least I ask the question, what caused Paul to go on? What caused Paul to continue? I can't imagine a life in which he's been in imprisonments beyond number, beaten times without number. He, he was unable to count up all the times that he was beaten for the cause of Christ. He says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. So five times he was scourged. And, and the picture there is of this long handled instrument that has uh, straps on it with pieces of bone and, and the metal and all kinds of things just to, to lay your back bare. Five times he's beaten like that. He's been shipwrecked, all these things. Paul repeatedly felt like quitting. Does that surprise you? That he would feel like quitting? Doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is he didn't quit. What surprises me is he got back on ship. What surprises me is he went to another city. In 2 Corinthians 11.29 he says, Who is weak without my being weak? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is praying for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. And... This is the reply. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Paul said, I boast about my weakness. I don't boast about my strength. I boast about my weakness. I tell everybody I am weak. Why? 
so that they might understand that God is strong. If we are here this morning and we marvel at the Apostle Paul, our outlook is skewed. We're not to marvel at Paul. We're to marvel at Christ, who gave Paul the ability to go on. Paul said, I will glory in my weakness. I will tell everybody, I'm not up to this. I will tell everybody I was ready to quit. I'll tell everybody I felt insufficient. Why? So they might understand that the power is of Christ. It's not me, Paul said. It's not me. The only explanation is Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I go through these things to show it's not me, it's Christ. Next, the weakness, 4-9, persecuted, to be hunted, chased down, sought after, the surpassing power, but not forsaken, not abandoned, not deserted. In 2 Timothy, and uh, uh, Fred just uh, referred to this passage uh, I believe uh, uh, last Wednesday night. But in Second Timothy, it says this. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. And God to Thessalonica. Prescans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Alexander the Comfort Smith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. At my first defense... No one supported me, but all deserted me. May not be counted against them. Paul is standing before a tribunal. Paul is having to give an account. Paul is having to give a defense against this coppersmith who's out to get him. And he said, there wasn't one person who stood with me. Not one. He lists where the other co-workers are of his. Where are they? They're not there. Some, because they've been sent on to other works. Some, because they deserted him. But he's left alone. And then he says this, 2 Timothy 4.17, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished. So he said, But the Lord, he stood with me, and he strengthened me. Why? So I could go on proclaiming. It wasn't just about Paul. It wasn't just so he could feel good. God strengthened him so that he could go on proclaiming. And the weakness was an important part of that proclamation. Friends fail us. Family fails us. But God does not fail us. God is our fortress, our tower, our refuge, our hiding place. I think most of you know I love imagery. I, I just bring it to my mind. It, it, it speaks volume. The psalmist often talks about the Lord is our, our refuge. The Lord is our fortress. You know what I think of when, when, I, when I read that psalm? I think the old Western movies. You know, and, and uh, you've got the uh, wagon train out there and they're circled Right? They got the, the circled wagon trains, and all of a sudden, here come the Indians. You see them on the hillsides, and all of a sudden, they just appear there, and, and they're starting to, you know, whomp, and, and they're, you 
know, and, and away they go. And they're coming down now, and they're, you know, they're shooting their bows and arrows. And, and the wagon train decides that they're in trouble. So they quit circling the wagons, and now they're heading for the fort, right? They're going, and then all of a sudden you see the, the troops come, and, and the troops come, and, you know, and, and everybody's running to the fort, and the, and the doors of the fort fly open. The wagon train gets in, the troops get in, they shut the doors, and now the Indians are outside. Christ is our refuge. Christ is our fortress. Christ is our high tower. Christ is our strength. Christ is the place to which we flee when persecuted. Paul says, I am persecuted, but not deserted. Not deserted by God. He is there for me. He will always help me. And then the fourth weakness is described in verse 9. Struck down. But not destroyed. Imagery here is very easy. You can see it. Struck down is to be knocked to the ground. It's the imagery of the boxer. He's in a ring. He's got an opponent. And he takes one right on the jaw. And his legs crumble. And he falls to the mat. He's down. And the referee stands over him. And he starts counting one, two, three, four. Or does he count down? Ten, nine, eight. I don't know, but he's counting. Okay. But before he gets to the magic number, that boxer struggles to his feet, gets up, gets back into the, the fight, and knocks out his opponent. Paul says, I've been knocked down loads of times. But not out. I'm able to get back up. But it's not just because of my strength. It's not just because of my internal strength. It is because of the work of God in my life. Now, here is where the rubber meets the road. The power that is revealed in overcoming Paul's weakness is nothing less than the resurrection power of Jesus. Jesus' death is being seen in Paul's weakness. Verse 10. Always caring about the body, the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our body. These next two verses are really tough to unpack. At least they're really tough for me to explain. I think I know what they're saying, but to try to communicate this is really tough. Paul interprets the experiences of verses 8 and 9 in terms of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In order to indicate the Christological purpose of his suffering. The power of God revealed in Paul's suffering is in fact the same power revealed in the experience of Jesus. God intended Jesus to suffer. God intends Paul to suffer. The suffering of Christ brought about redemption. The suffering of Paul brings about life, but in a different way. Paul suffers so that others might live. That's verse 12. That's pretty easy to get. So death works in us, but life in you. Okay. So the whole purpose of this is that they would be born again. That they would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But these Corinthians who have problems with his weakness, he says, you don't get it. The reason I am weak is so that you would live. You would live. Paul's sufferings are, in fact, revelatory in nature. 
Verse 11. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. It was not just a matter of life and death, but it is a matter of the life shining through in the life of the Apostle Paul. Back to 2 Corinthians 11.23. Are they servants of Christ? I'm more so. In far more labors, far more imprisonment, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Paul says that this being in danger of death is revelatory and reveals the life of Jesus Christ. The deeper Paul's trials, experiences, hardships, and difficulty, the worse life gets, the more Jesus Christ can be seen. The more his power is displayed, the more it becomes obvious that something is going on here that's bigger than Paul. The more that Paul goes through, the more it demonstrates the reality of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 13, and I'm using these numerous references in 2 Corinthians 13 just to show you how this thought continually gets woven through 2 Corinthians. It is a foundational point. That's why I've been laboring on this for these number of weeks and not just moving on. 2 Corinthians 13.3 Since you are seeking proof of the Christ who speaks in me and who is not weak toward you but mighty in you, Paul says, since you are looking for proof, you're saying, how do we know that Christ is speaking through you? We want to see the power of Christ. Since you're seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. You want to see the power of Christ. We have people today who want to see the power of Christ. We have churches that long to see the power of Christ. They want to see His power displayed. Fire come down from heaven. Somebody heal of their leprosy. Somebody encourage, comfort... They want to see a display. Show me the power of Christ. Paul says, the power of Christ is seen in me. Listen, 2 Corinthians 13.3. Since you are seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me, and who is not weak toward you, but mighty in, in you, for indeed, he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we shall live with him. Paul says, you want to see the power of Christ? Look at my life. There is no other explanation. There is no other explanation. It's the power of Christ. And Paul here isn't just saying, look at my success. Look at the people who have come to faith. Look at what I am doing. Paul says, look at my misery. Look at my suffering. Look at my being beaten. Look at my mental anguish. Look at my tears. Look at how I was beside myself. Look at how often I thought I couldn't go on. And yet I do. 
You want to see the power of Christ? There it is. There it is. He has overcome my weakness. In a similar fashion, that life comes to others through Christ's death, so too, life comes to others through the dying of Paul. Notice 2 Corinthians 4.12. So death works in us, but life in you. Paul again asserts that his sufferings are not merely coincidental, but are part of the divine plan for the spread of the gospel. Like Jesus, Paul too is delivered over to death. Paul saw this as part of God's plan, part of God's purpose, part of God's design. Paul didn't just say, woe is me, and how awful is the evil one. Look at all the evil things that the evil one is bringing to pass. Paul looked at his situation and said, there's something much bigger going on here. God intends me to go through these things because they give credence to the gospel. They show the power of Christ. They show a life that is different. What explains the motivation for the Apostle Paul? He wasn't getting rich. He wasn't getting notoriety. Of all the things that could have prompted people to be willing to sacrifice, none of those motives would be applicable to Paul's situation. Everybody is doing everything they can just to get him to shut up. So why doesn't he just shut up and retire? Why doesn't he just quit? Why does he continue to persevere? Paul says the only explanation is, because the only explanation I have is the grace of God in my life. He keeps me going. He keeps me going. And God is so pleased to make me so weak that that becomes irrefutable. That's what's going to silence the Corinthians in their attacks against Paul. Who has an experience anything like his? Nobody. Nobody. We don't. We know. But he goes on. But the death of Paul will reveal in the most glorious sense his own weakness and the surpassing power of God when Paul is raised from the dead. It's the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that changed Paul and enables Paul. Notice 2 Corinthians 4.14. That will be uh, Pastor uh, Brant's preaching next Sunday. So this will be in two weeks. 2 Corinthians 4.14 Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. That's what keeps Him going. Verse 16 Therefore we do not lose heart. But though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Paul says, on the outside, I'm growing weak. On the outside, I'm falling apart. On the outside, I'm a mess. Paul was virtually blind because of the experience on the road to Damascus. Paul was crippled. He could hardly walk. Can you imagine all those beatings, all those 
those sufferings that, that he endured. It's, a matter, it's amazing he can walk at all. Think of the arthritis, all those situations. Paul says the outward man is falling apart, but the inner person is doing just fine, thank you. The inner person, that desire has not mitigated. That faith has not been lost. That confidence in Jesus Christ has only grown. Only grown. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, now the image changes from a jar to a tent, a, a temporary home. Paul views his body as a temporary home. And he says, but we have a house built with God, made in heavens, eternal. He's looking forward to the resurrection. He's looking forward to being in the presence of God. He believes all those things. Paul says, how do I know that the resurrection of Christ is true? Paul says, because of the life that he gives me now. Elsewhere in Corinthians, Paul says, there was a man that I knew, and he was stoned. Whether dead or alive, I don't know. <laughs> Paul says, I don't know if I received this in a vision or I died and got in heaven. I don't know. He was left for dead. He was stoned. He was unconscious. Paul says, Christ gives me life. Christ enables me to go on. Christ sustains me now. And that resurrected Christ is going to give life to this body. Paul says, I know it. He's already given life to this body. One day this body's going to die and then it's going to show forth the power of God in the most glorious and unique way possible. It's going to come forth from the grave. We are frail. We're dying. But one day, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Causes us to come forth from the dead. Paul says, in my weaknesses, the power of God is displayed. So, conclusion. First, we should not be surprised by our weaknesses. Secondly, we should embrace our weaknesses. We should not hide our weaknesses. Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses. What a strange statement. I boast in my weaknesses. I glory in my weaknesses. I tell people about my weaknesses. Who ever finds somebody like that? Most people boast about what they can do. They boast about their accomplishments. They boast how they can lift more than somebody else. Run faster than somebody else. Sing better than somebody else. Smarter than somebody else. Most people don't talk about, you know, <laughs> I'm the stupidest person in this class. You know, they, they don't usually boast about, about their inadequacies. But Paul says, I boast about my weaknesses. Because they show forth the power of God. It's wonderful that God uses people like you and me. May he use us to such a degree that it just becomes incredibly, incredibly obvious that it's all of God and not of ourselves. We should understand that the reason for our weaknesses is to put God's power on display. 
put God's power on display. You know, as, as I look out here and uh, uh, I think of uh, Marge, I see Joe sitting here. And this, this we, you know, I think we saw God's power on display in Marge's life. The way in which she demonstrated her commitment to Jesus Christ. That's the explanation of why she could die as she did. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. It's the explanation why so many go through so, so much hardship and difficulty. It's the answer to why. Why? What makes us different? We just have to be really, really careful that we don't bring glory to ourselves, but we bring glory to where it belongs. What makes us different? It's Christ. It's not that we are uniquely strong. It's not that we are uniquely talented. It's not that we are uniquely or inherently bright. What makes this can superior to this can? It's what's inside. What makes us superior to anyone else? It's what's inside. And he purposefully puts us in weak hands. So that when the pressure comes, the power of what's inside is displayed and seen perfectly. May we endure to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, help us. Help us to embrace our weaknesses. Help us to acknowledge our need of you, both privately and publicly. Oh Lord, give us, even as the Apostle Paul, as we're finally going to get there in Second Corinthians, when he prays and asks for your help, and you give that intervention. Lord, help us to freely acknowledge how you have helped us, how you have encouraged us through your word, how you have answered our prayers, how you have, you have strengthened us, how you have encouraged us, how you've been our, our refuge and our fortress. When people say to us, I don't know how you can hold up. I don't know how you can be like that. I don't know how you can turn the other cheek. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Lord, help us to be quick to boast in our weakness and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and say, he's made the difference. It's not that inherently somehow we are better, stronger, wiser. But Lord, it is the difference of your power and your grace. May it be displayed wonderfully in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.